we kind of call this the golden era of satellite data. So we basically have access to petabytes of well-calibrated satellite data. Um, so basically in this day and age, you can't bring the data to the algorithms. You need to take the algorithm to the data. Hello and welcome to the PyBytes podcast, where we talk about Python, career, and mindset. We're your hosts. I'm Julian Sequeira. And I am Bob Beldebos. If you're looking to improve your Python, your career, and learn the mindset for success, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome to another PyBytes podcast episode. This is Julian. I'm here with Bob as always. Bob, how are you, man? I'm good. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. And uh, we're stoked, very stoked today. Why, why are we stoked today? Yeah, man, we are joined by a very special member of our community, Morella Tulbure. How did I say that, Morella? Did I do it right? Perfect. That was perfect. Fantastic. Well, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. You've been a longstanding member of the community, uh, just one of the most fantastic and passionate clients in the PDM program. And we just were so chuffed to have you here today. So welcome. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, tell everyone who you are and what you're about? Sure. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you today and also uh, to your listeners. Um, so I'm a geospatial scientist. Um, so I use uh, terabytes of time series of satellite data, um, as well as other geospatial data to quantify things such as flooding, um, as well as surface water dynamics. And then once I make these maps, I can link those with things such as climate variability and the way we use our land and then pinpoint areas in need of intervention. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is really incredible. I, I just, it blows my mind every time you describe what it is that you do. Um, it's it's one of my my favorite things to hear about because it's real impact on the environment on the place that you live. Um, if I'm to ask you, I'm just going to ask you a quick question before we dive in. What's your favorite thing about it? Um, so, so I'm really deeply motivated by by doing research that has a societal impact. Um, so applied research with a societal impact. So to that extent, um, the work that I do on flooding um, and understanding where flooding happens and then looking at social vulnerability, for instance, so linking that back to social vulnerability, um, as well as providing these maps to emergency responders or uh, thinking about flood insurance. Um, so, so I believe that that, that gets me up in the morning and and, and, um, and going. Well, that's really awesome. Yeah, total societal <laughs> impact there. So moving a bit to the to the technical side of things, uh, because you're, you're using Python a lot in your work, how, how do you leverage Python to, to make all this happen? Uh, so Python is really great in the work that I do because it's um, so useful for data science, but also for big data analysis, because you can uh, use machine learning and deep learning models um, in Python. So I use uh, typical data science libraries such as NumPy's to read in all these satellite data as multidimensional arrays. I then use pandas and geopandas to intersect these with polygons or points. And of course, I use scikit-learn um, to apply machine learning um, and um, and 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 deep learning models to to my data. That's great. And what what are the what are some of the technical challenges you face with that? 
Um, so, so I think um, some of the biggest challenges that I faced over time included um, scalability um, of, of these models as well as uh, portability of these models. So for instance, when I was based in Australia, uh, the way we would prototype our models would be to use a Linux server um, and then take these models to um, the uh, state level, um, high performance computing. And then later on, we were moved to the national computing infrastructure. Um, so basically porting these code to multiple data sources. And since I've relocated um, kind of recently to the US, uh, besides my physical location being changed, I also wanted to look into cloud uh, computing uh, providers. Um, so I guess in my community, um, people that use satellite data, we, we kind of call this the golden era of satellite data. So we basically have access to petabytes of well-calibrated satellite data. Um, so basically in this day and age, you can't bring the data to the algorithms. You need to take the algorithm to the data. Uh, so basically being able to interact with cloud computing through Python and through their basically uh, getting to their API through Python um, has been uh, tremendously helpful to me. Uh, so of course, things such as the Google Earth Engine as well as AWS. Um, another challenge that we face um, in the type of work that I'm doing is to, uh, to have access to label data. So the models that I'm using are supervised machine learning models. Um, so they really depend a lot on high quality label data. So being able to automate that labeling process um, and, and I've been doing that through Python and AWS um, has been really important. And, and one thing that I've been um, leveraging Python for. That is incredible stuff. I <laughs> just, I love it. Um, Especially hearing that, you know, we're in that golden age, right, that you, you said that it's really cool to hear from my perspective how the technology is really making an improvement. You know, we always hear technology with uh, our day-to-day -day stuff and with increasing the way the corporate world works, but it's, it's very rare specifically to me, to hear how it's actually helping with things like your data analysis and everything. So I, I love hearing that. Um, if I'm, I'm going to take a step back because one of my favorite things to find out about people, and I think a lot of people find value in this, um, your story is incredible. You know, hearing that, obviously, I'm going to love this part that you're in Australia. Fantastic. Represent. Um, and you've moved to the US and, you know, You've done so many cool things in the discussions you and I have had over the past year almost, I'd say. Uh, I've learned so many amazing things that you've done. But how did you get there? You know, and you don't have to go into a long, um, you know, I don't want you to, to think too much into this, but you have a journey that took you there. Um, what were those steps? And, and I ask this because people always feel that things that you are doing now, like things that stuff that you're working on right now is so unattainable that they're so high up there. Oh my gosh, Morella, she's an expert. She's the best. There's no way I could ever be that good. Um, but we all start somewhere. And that's one of the key messages Bob and I love to share is that everyone gets there. They just put in the hard yards, right? There's a lot of mindset and productivity there, but for you specifically, how did you get there? What did, what did you do? Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess uh, the journey of ten thousand steps starts with one step. So I've um, I've I've been um, um, doing research for a long time. So I've been um, working um, in areas that have been related to water resources. And then later on, I started leveraging satellite data. So then, kind of the combination of the two. 
um, led me to move to Australia, uh, where I looked at water resources in, in one of the driest continents on Earth. So it's a very precious resource in Australia. So I was based in Sydney, actually, um, for a long, long time. Um, and then uh, flooding is a natural kind of extension of my work because flooding is such an important um, natural disaster. It's one of the, uh, the most um, prevalent natural disasters and one that uh, we spend a lot of money on, um, more than $20 billion per year to deal with the damages that come from flooding. And that has a huge societal impact again, um, particularly when we think about um, vulnerable communities. That is so wow. cool. I, I, yeah, I love the link to, you know, you're following what you're passionate about and what an impact. I mean, when we had the flooding here in uh, Australia earlier this, I think it was earlier this year, maybe it was last yep. year, whenever it was, it was earlier this year, yeah. Um, you were all over that. You know, you were asking me questions. And I just thought it was amazing that this is something you're so passionate about. So I, I love it. And I think it's very, very cool. Yeah. And in Holland, we have a long history with water living below <laughs> sea level. <laughs> it's, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you've done so well. Like it's it's definitely a country that everyone is looking uh, to um, when when implementing different measures to to, to deal with flooding and, and, and uh, a lot of these things, particularly in the U.S., they always look to the Netherlands. So shifting gears a little bit um, to the productivity and uh, mindset, because, you know, we, we've been working with you and uh, it seems you get so many things done in a typical day. So we, we were like super curious to know what processes have you put in place to ensure that you're productive, first of all, but also that you you ensure that continuous growth. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so really, aside from uh, quite a few of the things that you guys have suggested on your productivity course. So, by the way, uh, for your listeners that haven't checked that course out, you should definitely check it out. Um, so, one of the things that I do that you mentioned there is basically having clear, short, medium, and long-term goals. Uh, tracking my time and understand where I spend most of my time. Um, so, besides those, um, I'm functioning with to-do lists. So I start my week with a to-do list um, and I always look back to my prior week and I try to understand how many things have I accomplished from my to-do list. And if I haven't been able to accomplish everything, uh, try to understand what, what were the things that precluded me from accomplishing all those things. Have I planned too much? Have I been interrupted? Have I not had the right mindset? Uh, so then going forward, I try to implement what I've learned in the past week. Um, I also try to have a more finer grain scale. So basically, I, I look at every day and I think, what's the one thing that I need to accomplish today to call the day a success? Uh, but I also try to build in some flexible time. So if something comes, uh, comes up unexpectedly and I really want to support a certain cause, I want to make time for that at short notice. Um, I also want to make sure that I spend a lot of my productive time in the, um, um, in the you know, the important versus urgent um, quadrant. Um, so I want to spend a lot of my productive time in important but not urgent quadrant. So in my case, that's doing writing and doing coding. Um, and that's the thing that will um, get me further. And then um, I try to build the things that I want to do more of into habits uh, so that I basically don't have to use my willpower uh, to get them done, which of course we all have finite amounts of um, in a day. So I guess the best self-control is to avoid situations that require self-control. Uh, so I try to implement that as much as I can. Golden nugs. Uh, thank you for plugging the uh, productivity course. That's very, very nice. I do appreciate that. Um, that's an awesome course. <laughs> 
Thank you. Yeah, Maybe you have to go it, back it, and, and see if all that advice is actually in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Crap. What have we missed? Uh, no, actually, that was the, I, I, the ironic thing about that productivity course is it took a lot of productivity discipline to make because <laughs> of the effort, um, which, you know, of all the things you, you mentioned, I love the four quadrants. You know, these are all things that, are, that obviously, you know, Bob and I strive to achieve and we're not perfect. We definitely end up in the urgent quadrant from time to time. And uh, I, th- I think the habit building is so important. You know, these are things we talk about a lot. One thing that, you know, as you were talking, uh, the question popped into my head. I think a lot of people struggle to get started with the productivity stuff, you know, especially when you have, you don't necessarily have the good habits built straight away. You know, you're coming from a, maybe a routine of getting home from work, eating dinner, sit on the couch and watching TV. So when you want to try and make these changes to get into building some good habits, so you do self-growth development work, whatever it is, um, instead of the stuff that doesn't really help you grow, um, for you, how did all this come into place? Because you've got an incredibly strong mindset, uh, incredible discipline to maintain this week to week. I love the way you analyze your week, you know, and see what worked, what didn't work, and you shift and, and change with all of these things with the data that you collect on yourself. But like, when did that start? How did it start? Was it like that from the moment you were born? Um, you know, t- tell us the story. Uh, so I like to think that I was born ready. Um, I, I'm kidding. So, so I, I need to preface all of this with with saying that I always think of myself as um, as work in progress. Um, so I think um, staying open and wanting to learn. And um, I mean, part of the reason that that part of the reasons uh, why I like the mindset calls so much is because everyone has different um, ideas and suggestions. So basically, being exposed to that and trying some of the new things that they're doing. Um, allows me to analyze what could work for me, what might not work for me, or like your productivity course, you mentioned so many things and I was doing some of them, but not all of them. So then basically trying out some of those things. And then instead of being, um, or in, instead of thinking, oh, I'm, I'm quite productive already, which I guess I was, um, is the idea of staying open and learning new things and, and being really open to, to new ideas and new suggestions. And then also just making small changes like atomic habits, one step at a time. So if I want to implement good habits, I won't start implementing 10 at the same time. I'll start with one and I'll associate that with something that I'm already doing. And it's just going to be a tiny change. And then doing that over time repeatedly, that's going to get me to a habit. And then I start a new habit and so on. And it's, it's, but it doesn't always work. Of course, there are days when I'm not as productive and I try to learn from them and then move on without beating myself up for not being so productive the prior day, but just learning from it and, and kind of look forward. I really love that. Like addressing one thing at the time, at the same time, uh, like the one thing from Gary Keller, one of her favorite books. Uh, because if you try to implement 10 habits at the same time, you're getting nowhere, right? Um, it seems like right. then you have that compound effect because now habit one, two, three, four, five, you have already under your belt. And now you go on to habit six and it's almost effortlessly because the re- the previous habits are now automatic, right? So mm. that's great advice. Yeah. Don't don't forget the, the one that um, I always love is the accountability partner. So, uh, you know, the whole productivity thing on our end bob it it didn't just happen overnight you know it came down to (laughs) us holding each other accountable and saying you know 
our success comes from the two of us operating together. So that's one of the ways that I got started, um, which is why I was asking Morella because, uh, you know, for me, this all started with Bob. I was nowhere near as productive or disciplined as I am now. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a re- really great insight. So thank you for that. But it's also inspiring, like watching you being productive is inspiring to me. So I want to be more productive. I want to be more like you. So it's it's always good to be exposed to to productive people that read a lot, for instance, and that are successful and then try to mimic some of the behaviors that they are um, doing. It's like a virtuous uh, cycle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A yeah. Product, product of the, what, is it five people? The five people you spend the most time with? Yeah. Jim Rohn. Yeah. Right. Mm. As always, <laughs> Jim Rohn. Yeah, but, um, yeah I also like what you said about the environment um, because the other day you gave some tips on how to read more, and you know we we noticed stuff. We read the Ryan Holiday tips, but just being on a call and hear somebody say, in, in this case, you had some great advice, and I started using it and read more. So it's it's really, yeah, you cannot do this by yourself. Um, and reading and stuff is important, but the life interaction and, and getting that advice from other people in your environment is is very important. Yeah. Mm. So just um, on that for context for everyone listening, you know, in the PDM program, the coaching program Bob and I run, we have a mindset call every Thursday. So that's actually in, you know, half an hour. So we've got to wrap this up, Bob. No, I'm kidding. Um that mindset call, we talk about all sorts of different things. And last week was a very special week because we actually talked about books. And Morella, this is one of the things we wanted to ask you because you had such amazing ideas and insights. And uh, I just loved it. It was such a pleasure to hear your thoughts on reading because myself, I struggle with reading. I can only read at night. And uh, some of your ideas, as bizarre and outlandish as they were, <laughs> I thought... <laughs> You'd probably get me in trouble. Um, I did think they were amazing. So do you want to share some tips for reading more? Um, sure. Yeah. So, so I'll start with the less um, bizarre ones. Um, so, so uh, building, building reading into a habit. So um, I have to say that this wasn't very hard because I enjoy reading very much. So it wasn't a hard habit to build. Um, but basically um, associating reading with something that I'm already doing. So for instance, when I have my first cup of coffee in the morning, I read. So that's 10, 15 minutes already. Um, I always read before I go to bed. So it depends on how tired I am, but it's definitely at least five minutes. It can be five minutes to half an hour to an hour. Um, And then I constantly have a book with me, um, hard copy, a book on my Kindle, a book on my phone, and I'm reading a couple of books at the same time. So if I'm stuck in line waiting for something or a doctor's office, I always have a book that I can pull up. And um, sometimes I'm... um, walking and reading at the same time and that's something that uh, that that I like doing or sometimes I try to actually uber somewhere rather than um, drive so that I have 20 minutes or 10 minutes where I can actually um, read <laughs> oh that's dedication <laughs> that's dedication to the cause <laughs> I, I follow that advice open disclaimer and I now don't feel bad about it <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> morning I, I i i read a ton actually the right it uh walking and you know it was great <laughs> yeah Thanks, I, I don't know i don't know how you two read while you walk like i was saying 
before we recorded this, I almost um, walked off the path with the pram while I was walking the baby the other day because I was trying to read. So oh, let me try and do this. Almost walked right off the path. Yeah. So Deliberate practice, bro. <laughs> practice. Like I said, I'll, I'll ask the baby to hold the book for me. You, you hold the book so I can drive, you know. Um, now, th- those are great tips, Marilla. And my favorite one from there, which really stuck with me, was the um, building that familiar routine so that you, it's almost like a, a trigger, right? So pick up that coffee. You just get this insatiable desire to pick up a book and read because you're having your coffee. Uh, that to me is one of the most powerful techniques for reading. Uh, so for me, it's getting into bed at the moment because I, when I get into bed, instinctively pick up the book next to my bed and start reading. Now I don't get very far because I fall asleep pretty quick, but um, I might get two or three pages, but it's better than nothing, you know, and uh instinctively as well, get in the car, audio book turns on. You know, unless I'm in a mood where I just want to switch off and listen to music, instinctively audible comes on and I'll start listening to a book. So uh, for me, it's not always about reading. It's about the consuming the the information, whichever form that I can do it, um, because it is quite difficult for me to sit there and read sometimes in the dark while rocking the baby. Um, but I, I think it's an amazing thing. So my call out to everyone listening to this is if reading is something you want to do more of, you know, start building those habits. And having an audio book is a perfect, um, a perfectly valid way of, of, of reading or, or learning from, from books. So, so I think that's, um, that's a great tip. I have audio books. I try to not drive as much, but um, other than that, when I drive, I do have audio books. Yeah. There's, there's something special about audio books when, like I said last week on the call, you know, when you hear the narrator, uh, or the, sorry, the author narrating their own book, there's a certain emotion to it that's just special. That's what I love about it. What about you, Bob? I love audiobooks. Yeah. It's just that I'm drawn to the to the written uh, format. But yeah, audiobooks are awesome. I also like the whole slide uh, edge thing and the compound effect uh, of this, like all these small bits adding up because, as you say, Marvelli, you have maybe three or four windows and even if those are only like 10 minutes um those 40 minutes a day um turn into 280 minutes a week right and that's easily a book and then all of a sudden it it seems like it it is easy to read 52 books a year um (laughs) because you're making use of all these small windows so it, it really adds up yeah, and I think it's also nice to have books of different difficulty level to adjust um, mm. their difficulty based on how tired you are. So sometimes in the morning you might read something that's, I don't know, technical, and then in the evening you might read something that's more of a, I don't know, an easier read. Yeah, fiction. that's great. And fiction before <laughs> bed, yeah. Definitely yeah. fiction before bed, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. So find the, find the times of day I, when you're most effective at absorbing information. So for me, that's first thing in the morning. You know, I can read a technical book and absorb much more than I can at 10 p.m., you know. Um, so, look, uh, Marilla, I, I have a question for you that, I again, I just, I'm thinking of these as you're talking. It's great. Um, you've mentioned to me before that you do a lot of, is it mentoring at work? You have a lot of, like, interns that you coach and stuff. Um, do you talk this mindset stuff with them? Do you talk about these concepts and principles and habits? 
I do. Yeah. So I, I work with, um, I'm based in academia. So I work with a lot of students one on one as well as with my team. So a couple of people at a time or through my teaching. Um, and I try to instill small things or tell them small things as, as we go. And I also try to adapt to each personality. So one of my students is a really good, strong reader, and we, we share and exchange uh, book suggestions. Um, um, another one, I think, would need more um, um, of doing things um, in a constant manner. Um, so I recommend certain books without saying why, but it's like, hey, what did you get out of this book? Um, so then um, at the end, it's like, ah, oh, um, I could implement this or that. And then that that helps them. Um, so I don't call it like, hey, this is the mindset uh, portion of the teaching part or the mentoring. But I kind of always sprinkle in um, um, aspects of mindset that I, I think are really important Um when you work and you do hard work and, and, and basically to be able to sustain that motivation and keep the excitement going because it's, it's exciting to do research. It's, it's a privilege to be paid to do research. So we need to keep that in mind all the time. Oh, that's so cool. I always talk about this sort of thing with the kids because I feel like they don't learn these things in school. So I love hearing that, that you teach them this through a customized approach based on where they're at, what you notice with them, you incorporate it in the actual day-to-day work. I think that's amazing. So thank you. I just, I love hearing it. It's wonderful. Um, all right. So towards the end now, we have a question, which I think you're going to love. Um, your favorite books. Do you want to hit us with um, that? Yeah. So, so I liked it that you asked favorite books rather than favorite book, because it's really hard to pick just one. Um, In- impossible. So give- yeah impossible for sure <laughs> uh, so I'll give you a few of them so I, I like to read um, a couple of categories um, the most um, so one of my favorite categories is learning how to learn so the meta skill um, so I guess um, two of my favorite books in that space are ultra learning and the mind for numbers um, I also like to read a lot about self-improvement um, so uh, some of my favorites include uh, so good they can't ignore you by Carl Newport and Peak by Anders Ericsson. Um, I also like to read a lot about leadership. So in the context of mentoring that I'm doing, um, so the one uh, or two that I like the most are Dare to Lead. Um, and this is on fearless leadership and basically embracing showing vulnerability as a leader. And another one, and this is probably one of my favorite books of all time. So um, I, I think it's considered a classic for leadership. So it's uh, Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage. Uh, by Alfred Lansing. So it's basically um, Sir Shackleton's expedition to the to um, Antarctica and basically his journey and being able to uh, make good decisions under very harsh and life-threatening circumstances uh, when the odds of survival were really stacked against them and basically being able to adapt to each individual crew member and and doing that for, for a very long time and getting everyone um, safe and alive out of it. Um, Another topic that I really like is um, reading about artificial intelligence and its place in society. Um, So two more general books in that regard are um, Artificial Intelligence, A Guide to Thinking Humans by Margaret Mitchell. Um, And another one is AI Superpowers by Kai Fu. And um, one topic that I'm really um, um, interested in is bias in AI. Um, So basically, how are we currently using AI systems um, and how are they currently being applied to things that affect day-to-day life, such as um, healthcare or who gets their um, bank loan um, next? So um, in that regard, I like automating um, inequality and race after technology. 
and the nice Netflix documentary in that regard is Coded Bias. Wow, that's an amazing list and our audience will definitely appreciate that. So thanks for sharing and, and we will link all those uh, in the show notes. And yeah, definitely some of those books are also our favorites. For example, So Good That They Cannot Ignore You from Cal Newport, one of her favorite career books, really being like being proactive, getting out there, showing your work. Um, that really resonated uh, with us. What do you think, Julian? Oh, definitely. So as you're reading off the books, I'm going, yeah, that's on the shelf. That's uh, in the Kindle. Check, check. That's, yeah, 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 yeah stuff not yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the AI stuff, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to come back and, and talk about that, Marilla. Yeah. Uh, the, actually, that Antarctica book sounded quite interesting. I was like, tell me the rest of the story. Come on, don't, don't stop. I just ordered um, it. Yeah, <laughs> just <to wait>. <laughs> <laughs> um, No, no, I, I think that's spectacular, and it, it shows, you know, the, the love of reading. Do you, do you uh, find that your passion for reading has helped you, you know, on your professional journey? Do you think it's it's helped you, you know, learn techniques that are to your success? Um, absolutely. So I think um, it, it's just that idea of doing something constantly, so having that habit, but also just, just learning new things and thinking about them. And, of course, as I read a book, I probably get certain things out of it, but if I were to read it later on, like in a year's time, or if somebody else would read it, they would get different things out of that book. So basically try to contextualize uh, what I'm reading and what I'm learning out of that book um, in my own context and then keeping the mindset going and then staying open again and just that idea of learning. Um, so in technology and in research, you constantly need to learn. Um, and reading and learning from books is, is, is obviously super important in that context. I find that fascinating because sometimes the whole reading thing is, is not that tangible, right? It's not like a bank account where you deposit money and it's, it's very visible, the number on a screen, for example. But with reading, it's like, so I'm doing all this reading and I just read uh, this 500 page book and it seems like I don't remember that much from it, right? Uh, because I'm not a great note taker. <laughs> but then sometimes all of a sudden a snippet out of that book comes back. Or for example, with um, the mind for numbers um, you mentioned, um, that whole diffused mode of the brain, kind of that was an eye-opener, I think, to us. That didn't kind of better understanding why the best ideas come in the shower, for example, uh, because that's how the brain kind of, when you disconnect from from the, the, the focused mode. So I think it's more like putting stuff into context and, and building up that, that reference, I think. But... Uh, yeah, sometimes it's I'm reading all these things, but what did I remember? <laughs> Do you but have also tips like, for, for that, actually? Um, so I, I generally try to take notes. Um, so I write down quotes or um, I, I write down ideas. I talk about the books that I'm reading to, to folks, and that helps me remember what I've read. Um, I try to summarize books. Um, so I've started the habit of um, when I when I submit the, or when I Tick, I've read this book. I try to give a brief summary. Um, so sometimes I use the, the Slack <laughs> community to tell them about a book and that helps me um, by, <laughs> by, by summarizing the book. Um, yeah, so those are a few of the things that I, I try to do. Yeah, we, we love those summaries. I think everyone loves them. So keep those to, up, please. Yeah, keep those up, please. Uh, you know, one of the things that gets me from from all of this and i think it was brought up in the call last week as well uh that was a bit of an eye-opener is that not everyone enjoys reading the way we do and if there, there's one balance to this that i want to throw out 
um, just while we're having the discussion. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. I'm kidding. Um, it's that read because you enjoy doing it. You know, don't force yourself to do it. So, Marilla, you, myself, Bob, we love to read everything and anything, you know, and we can get something out of everywhere. But people who are listening may not be that engaged with reading. And one of the messages was that that's okay. It's perfectly okay. And the other thing that I used to feel guilty about is that I read more fiction than nonfiction. And obviously, you know, with Pie Bites and everything, I've just grown this love and almost addiction to these growth books, right? All the ones you've mentioned and the ones that we talk about incessantly, the three of us. Um, But, you know, I love my fiction books. I love my sci-fi, my space operas. I, I mean, hate me or love me for it, but I loved Harry Potter growing up and, you know, the the Narnia books, um, you know, I made sure I got them for the kids. I still love my Dr. Seuss, you know, love those. So funny. Uh, but that's the thing. I love the imagination. I love the the fiction, the, the way it makes my mind go a million miles an hour and imagine what society could be like in 50 years. And I think one of the takeaways from all this reading is that it's whatever inspires you. And it doesn't just have to be the nonfiction stuff. Um, as much as we love it here and could talk about it, Till the cows come home. Um, it's not a for, it's not for everyone, and I don't want anyone to feel guilty that they don't read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know that that they haven't read Atomic Habits, um, and and the ones that we consider gospel <laughs> in in our day to day. So yeah, that's just a, an observation from me, and something that I learned last week that really um, that really got to me, and I wanted to share that while we had this discussion. All right, so to wrap it up. Morella, you know, you have this wealth and breadth of experience, right? That I think so many people, we're going to, we're going to have to get you back on the show, by the way, um, on the podcast. There's so much to dive into, but you have this experience that so many people can benefit from. So if you had a message for anyone listening, you know, to inspire them, to take the chances, whatever, what would it be? Um, so one of my favorite quotes is whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So, think you can. <laughs> oh, wow! I, it's deep. so late at night here. My my head just started spinning. That one got me. Nice. I like it. That, that's awesome. Yeah. No, we're we're completely silenced by that. Um. So, <laughs> <laughs> the final question was, um, or is, uh, where can people find you? Reach out to you. Um. So I'm um, on the Slack community, on PyBytes Slack community. Um, you can also find me on Twitter um, with my first name and uh, last name um, and, and just um, on my website. But yeah, the Slack community as well as Twitter would, would be the easiest ways. That's brilliant. And we'll, li- we'll link to all those in the, the notes below. So Marilla, final shout out. Go for it. Um, so first, I would like to thank the agencies that have funded me over time. So that includes the Australian Research Council and currently NASA. Um, I would like to thank my team for being part of the vision and um, for giving our work so much. And uh, last but definitely not least to you at PyBytes um, for having such a great business model of helping people not only with improving their Python skills, uh, but also improving their mindset for, for a productive work life and life in general, and also for creating such a supportive and inclusive community. You're giving so much to everyone, and I hope you know how much the community loves you back. So thank you for that. Oh, jeez. Uh, 
I need a box of tissues. Julian that, is tearing up. That, that means that was, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that that really means a lot. Thank you, Marilla. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you. <laughs> it's it's nice to hear it. So, and thank you as well. You know, for being such a inspiring member of the community and just sharing, just nonstop sharing, supporting people. We love it. That's why we have you here, and you know, we appreciate you. So, thank you for coming on and having a chat with us. Indeed, a big thank you for for all your giving back and all you do in the community. It's, it's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. See you next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear more from us, go to pybyte slash friends. That is pybit.es slash friends and receive a free gift just for being a friend of the show. And to join our thriving Slack community of Python programmers, go to pybytes slash community. That's pybit.es forward slash community. We hope to see you there and catch you in the next episode.